Hello, welcome to episode 139 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, keeping the little pause in there, with me, Stephen Hill, and my co-hosts, plural, Renfrey Deadman and his squeaky chair. How are you, Renfrey? How's your squeaky chair? Uh, I'm very well, Steve. Um, update on the squeaky chair situation. Unfortunately, there's a plastic casing which is covering mm. the metal bit that I need to spray oh. the WD-40 into. It's a, it's a tragedy <laughs> as old as time, It's um, story, isn't it? It is annoying uh, because uh, I do appreciate I have a very annoying squeaky chair. Um, yeah. I am dealing with it, um, but well, it's surprisingly taking much longer than I thought it would. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a bit like quite a few things this week, I suppose, <laughs> um, <laughs> which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, the only, I only mention it because I have been listening. I don't really... I don't, I'm not going to listen to this, am I? Why would I listen to this? I am this. Why would I listen to it? <laughs> so I um, I don't really listen to the show. And someone mentioned your squeaky chair. And then because we've been editing between the two of us lots of stuff this week, I have been listening back to us for what I don't really do. And um, A, we're good, aren't we? We're quite good. And B, <laughs> fucking your chair. Yeah. Your fucking chair. Yeah. I'm, to- I'm, I'm, I'm completely and utterly aware of it. I just... I- if 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 push comes to shove, I'm gonna smash the plastic casing off and just throw it away and then spray the WD forty. Have you seen my chair? I've got an I got on a really nice office chair. I don't think I have. I mean, is oh, this, well, this, this know, good content for audio? I, well, hey, it's good content for me. But um because I'm in the good chair. Anyway, look, this week on the show we're gonna be reviewing new music from The Offspring, Holding Absence, Devil Soul to Soul, and Arabrot. And we also want to say a very big thank you to our good friends at Signature Brew, who are better than Renfrey's chair. It's Definitely. another thing that they are better than. I don't think we can really argue with that. Um, no Signature squeaky Brew, of chairs course. in the Siggy Brew. No way. No, you're going to sit on the Signature Brew bar stools and they are silent like a little mouse. <laughs> a mouse is a slight, like a sort of gnat's breaking wind, a silent <laughs> gnat fart at the very, very most on their chairs. Um, they also make excellent... Um, I was going to say music then. They probably could make excellent music, but they do make excellent beverages. Um, lots and lots of bands who I mention every week that Signature Brew have collaborated with over the years since their formation in East London in 2011. They've done beers with Mastodon, with Sports Team, with Mogwai, with Enter Shikari, with The Darkness, with Jamie Lenman, with any others. There are plenty of others, aren't there? Loads of others. I'm sure there are. I was only half. Okay, listening. good. Really helpful, really <laughs> helpful. Um, but yes, they do lots and lots of delicious beverages. I had just classic studio lager the other day. Classic studio Ooh, lager on, a, on Easter Monday. Yeah, I had a studio lager the other day. Just sitting there in the fridge. There yeah. it was all by itself. The last little remnant of our signature brew uh, stuff. I was and, the same. Um, no, I'm not asking for anyone. I'm actually not drinking at the moment, so it's fine. Uh, and uh, and I thought, you know what? It's Easter Monday. Oh, yeah. Haven't had an Easter egg because of the scum that threw that bought them all before I could get my hands on one. And so I'm going to have a beer instead. And I did. And it was very, very, very nice indeed. Idols is another one. Frank Turner, the two other artists that Signature Brew have worked with. Well, I like it. Very glad to hear that, Steve. Uh, how was your Easter? It's your favourite holiday of the year, as everyone knows. Yeah, but it was not the good this year. Well, it probably was good, really, because last year I ate, uh, I think I was eating sort of two Easter eggs a day, if you remember, and that went on mm. for about three months over lockdown. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of started to resemble a, like a really old walrus. Uh, yeah. 
people started people st- started mixing you and e, me up on the street then they <laughs> like, why has Renfrew shaved his head <laughs> and uh, yeah i i got i got big and uh it wasn't very good so i've decided to like cut out the chocolate completely although i do have one last packet of those little malteser easter rabbits which is not i mean mm. it's not much is it really i mean considering my intake from last year it doesn't feel like much i didn't even have a lint bunny you had a better easter than me you had a lint bunny <laughs> uh yeah i had a lint bunny and a packet of mini eggs and that was it for my easter treats that was i just i kept it fairly minimal this year um and uh, it was bit of quality restraint. Yeah, yeah, a quality. bit of restraint, but quality over quantity. I mean, a lint bunny and a mini eggs packet. Or... Shouldn't be doing this during the signature brew chat, really. <laughs> no, but... no. But if mini eggs want to sponsor us, that would be fan fucking fantastic. Or lint. Fuck yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I'm happy with our current re- relationship, so to be honest. So, <laughs> so, you know, uh, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and our listeners can get 10% off all of their wares, which they don't do chocolate, but frankly, that time of year is gone now. Pubs are going to be opening up soon. Put in the code Riot Act, you get 10% off all of their beverages. And that, to me, feels like a far more acceptable, normal thing to do than to eat a chocolate <laughs> rabbit. What are you for? Grow up. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks so much to those guys. We appreciate that. Uh, over on our Patreon page this week, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast, we put up another Rioters review on Earthling by David Bowie, which was a 70-minute long chat where we kind of skirted around bits and bobs of Bowie's entire career and then focused in on that very interesting mid-90s period when he was hanging out with Trent Reznor mm. and uh, dance music was a thing and he quite liked that. That was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, a very interesting one. And we've never really properly gone in on uh, Bowie before. So yeah. that was quite nice to do. Yeah, we uh, it was. But we, we obviously, I think at some point, we will definitely do that with... God, could be quite a number of his albums on the mm. Classic Album Special. Speaking of Classic Albums, over on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, £5 a month, you get two Classic Albums. You are going to get two Classic Albums this month. But I'll tell you why in a minute. We should have you should have had double Gajira going up this week. That has not gone up this week. I'm going to explain to you why in a minute. But that Gajira special is coming, and it, we're trying to make it, make it as good and as extensive as possible. And it's just really not been possible this week because this week we launched as its own podcast with 29 episodes that are available for you to listen to now. There'll be another one coming Monday. on Monday. Broken Records, our search for the worst album ever made, ever, ever, ever. As I sit here, it's currently number two in the iTunes music chat chart, which is mm. really, really cool. Yeah, it's great. 20, 29 episodes going up. And you've probably heard a fair few of them, but we did have the extra uh, one where you finally got to hear Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack of the movie of the same name. Yeah. And um, yeah, editing that and listening back to that, it was a fucking funny thing. I got an email today going from amazon going hey we recommend you buy this blu-ray and it's a starch of peppers and i was like yeah i think i'll buy i think i'll buy a hundred of them yeah so i've bought a hundred copies i believe sales have gone up by about 500 uh since the uh, of the movie since the um uh the broken record came out so yeah that was a lot of fun to do and a very nice way to launch this finally 
uh, after several months. I think we originally said something about getting it out in February, didn't we? We <laughs> so did, yeah. And even when we <laughs> decided it was going to be Monday, it was another 48 hours after that before it actually came out. And it was due to... I'm not sure I've ever worked as hard on anything in my life as we did on that. Like 29 episodes between me and Renfrew, we did the blurbs and we edited all everything together. We did the intros. We had a day on Saturday where we did all the intros and outros in one go. And it oh. took about fucking five hours. It was a, quite a long time of me just going, hello, welcome to Broken Records. Hello, welcome to Broken Records. So if you do listen to them and I sound a bit frazzled by episode 27 on Broken Records, it's because I was um but yeah i'm really glad to have that out as its own thing and it's uh we've, we've recorded a couple of episodes post sergeant peppers that will be going out in the next few weeks but that's the thing now every monday those every are going to go out yeah so there every you go monday. so good is coming monday there'll be another broken records monday and also because renfrey's a fucking idiot we're going to have a very exciting writers review on spiderland by slint which will be really easy i'm sure because it's not not a lot to talk about on that record at all like couldn't do a it couldn't literally could have been a classic album that and renfrey decided he's so desperate to do it we could have just done like spine shank or something and just gone ah oh, remember spine shank but no you decided to to delve into fucking slint for christ's sake yeah i mean i've been very keen to do it for a while which probably isn't a massive surprise to long-term listeners um but the thing that pushed it over the edge is it had its 30 year anniversary uh just a couple of weeks ago as we record this so i thought come yeah. on man we've got to push you know come on now at the time yeah. you're into it and unfortunately i didn't think about the fact that we were launching a whole new podcast. Well, I did, uh, I did a little, 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 little look behind the scenes, right? After Gajira, I'm not going to tell you what our next classic album is going to be after Gajira, but initially <laughs> we were going to do R.E.M., weren't we? And then I went, oh, I can't be, like, it's too much fucking work to go. We're going to do an R.E.M. double. So yeah, I, think I think we probably will do an... Yeah, I think we ourselves think, if we'd done that. I think we are going to do an R.E.M. double quite soon. Oh, we will at some point. I, uh, yeah, but I'm, I might be something like, I mean, you might get a, might get a classic album special on like cycle fly or something <laughs> generation <After Zap>. <laughs> yeah. oh wow cycle fly mm. haven't thought about them for a long time no bright orange fluorescent cargo Person. pants uh well yeah whatever and hair are. yeah and Declan. nipples Declan, Declan was his name wasn't it Declan O'Shea is that right so yeah I think, he, yeah, I think he's, he or does he play for or actually is he a centre-back for Celtic Always got those two mixed up. No, you're <laughs> anyway. Not, uh, anyway, news. Uh, Renfrey, we each have a bit of news for each other mm. that we haven't told each other yet. But so this is sort of kind of exciting. Do you want to go first? With your yeah, news fuck or it. Uh, yeah. From from the NME, uh, Will I Am announces high tech Bluetooth face mask. <laughs> already What's love it then? uh yeah. it's the rapper's new zuper mask the rapper <laughs> that's that's what the enemy said <laughs> uh spell x-u-p-e-r-m-a-s-k it's a collaboration with tech conglomerate honeywell mm-hmm. uh let me then. tell let me tell you about it first before i ask you to suggest how much money this face mask won't cost uh it's a bluetooth capable face mask um it has dual three-speed fans, a HEPA filtration system, mm-hmm. LED lights <laughs> to, bring, to bring attention to your face, noise-cancelling headphones, and a rechargeable seven-hour battery. So you're getting a lot of bang in there, but yeah. what, but what's the buck? How much do you think it costs, Steve? 
I don't still don't really know what it is. And Ellie, what is it? Um, it's a face mask with. Um, what do you mean it's a face mask? What sort of face? What do a, you fa- mean a face mask. mask. As a, you know, we're in a pandemic, right? Global oh, pandemic. one of them. Right. <laughs> Why is Will I am making a face mask? Well, yeah, quite. It's bonkers. Well, to make lots I, of money, I would wager. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> he should become the marketing director for Andrex, shouldn't he? Will I am. He loves money. Um, so this face mask basically has Bluetooth connectivity, three fans. Fans, uh, or, or one fan which goes three different speeds, a, a posh filtration system, some LED lights, and some noise cancelling headphones. Why? Do, why do you need any of that stuff on a mask? How much? Do you How think much? Four hundred dollars. Oh, it's two hundred ninety-nine dollars. Okay, that's still absolutely outrageous, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I just picked a completely ridiculous <laughs> number from my head. Um, and yeah, but uh, you know that is utterly fucking ridiculous. Yeah, uh, he does know you can. He does know you go to W H Smith, you can get a four pack for like a fiver. Does he know that? Will I am? <laughs> he probably doesn't. I mean, it's the cla- <laughs> it's the classic question: How much is a pint of milk? You know, how much is a face mask? How much is an um, LED an LED face mask with fans? <laughs> Will I am? Oh, um, three hundred quid? No, actually, no, they don't exist. <laughs> Actually, there is no price because they don't exist. You've just invented them <laughs> pointlessly, you twat. Uh, uh, Will I am told the New York Times, we are living in sci-fi times. The pandemic is, is straight out of a friggin' movie, but we are wearing masks from yesterday's movie. So I wanted to make a mask to fit the era that we're in. <laughs> it's a shit metaphor. Fucking idiot. Oh, Somebody said to me once, and I think I've nicked it and said it myself over the, a lot over the years, is I think it might be Gil actually said, Will I Am is the sort of person who has 700 ideas a day and <laughs> nobody will tell him that any of them aren't good because he's that famous now that no one. So that what he's done there is one of his thousands of ideas that he's had, like, you know, yeah. like, like yeah. space flying donkeys or something like oh we should should put wings on donkeys no one's gone <laughs> why <laughs> they've just gone okay well i am you're will i am it must be a good idea i know <laughs> i tell you what's good dressing like uh half, like either half of you is a different four-year-old going to a birthday party let's dress <laughs> like that yeah that's a great idea that's exactly <laughs> what adults want to look like i mean he's mad well, this is, in, in fact, his third foray into tech, according to the Enemy article. Uh, other projects have included his much maligned Poles smartwatch. I don't recall yeah, that. don't remember okay. that. And a range of, quote unquote, fashion headphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. I thought it would be an amusing story Didn't to talk you about. make uh, a kind of uh, a submarine that was just a toaster as well? <laughs> yeah, $5,000. <000. laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you could toast your bread underwater. <laughs> that is a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Toasting. I mean, anyone underwater who... toast and underwater. Why shouldn't fish be allowed toast? <laughs> Why shouldn't an octopus be allowed to have toast? Remfrey, this is the problem that that haunts Will I Am. It's one of the great questions. Isn't it it's it one is, of the isn't great it? Philosophical questions. Um... I am a stingray, and I've heard so much about marmalade on toast. And yet, due to my circumstances, I can't have it. And I don't think that's that's our privilege as humans. <laughs> we coming up. <sighs> Weird yeah. start to the show. Not going to lie. Mm. Um, mm. 
It's not going to get any any earlier, any any earlier. It's not going to get any less weird. Ronnie Woods has received the Freedom of London, but and I'm sure this will be crushing news to him. He cannot drive sheep and cattle over London Bridge. <laughs> I don't understand any of this story. Ronnie Woods received the what? <laughs> so Ronnie Wood has been granted the Freedom of the City of London. Is that like being given keys to the city or something like yeah, that? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's normally offered to people um, of any nationalities or backgrounds who are considered to have provided exceptional service to the capital. Um, previous recipients are Lord Mountbatten, uh, Princess Diana of Wales, um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Nelson Mandela, and Morgan Freeman. Oh. Yeah. Eclectic so list. So it is an ec- eclectic list. Uh yeah, so, um, and Ronnie Wood is now added to that. Now, it doesn't really mean you can do anything, really. It just means, you know, you have kind of certain privileges, but they're kind of uh, largely kind of historical. So, for example, it used to be if you had the the sort of the the, the City of London thing, you had the right to drive cattle over London Bridge. Um doesn't, or you you're not the, making it sound all that exciting i've got no, to say or so if if you were if you were hanged you had the right to a silken rope oh but well, so there's no real you know but you do get a certificate <laughs> <laughs> like a sort of kellogg's 400 meters you know when you used to do swimming when you're a kid so he's got yeah. he's going to get a certificate but all the things that you get for the freedom of the city are really just a bit of shit now do you think this is relevant? Do you think this is something that uh, Ronnie Wood has wanted for a long time? Do you think he's really ecstatic about the news? Do you think he's uh, lukewarm? Do you think he couldn't give a flying toss? Well, um, he's actually written a little. Ha- he put he put up a a little handwritten note. Okay. Um, on his. I mean, so it didn't really seem like he was that fast because he put a little handwritten note up on his Instagram and he said on that note, um, my Lord Mayor, Lord Chamberlain, ladies and gentlemen, I am humbled and honoured to receive the freedom of the city of London. As a child, I saw the city from the canals and over the years, I've seen it from many different perspectives. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> don't really feel like you needed to specify, specify loads or none for me um despite my career in music and art taking me all over the world i am never happier than when coming home to this great city where i was born it is a lovely surprise to be recognized with this award and it has made me sally and my twin girls alice and gracie very proud i very much hope to come and meet you in person at the guild hall when circumstances allow and then he can get his uh get his certificate presumably well that's nice it is but gutted about the sheep isn't it mm, and the cattle yeah 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 uh, that would be the main reason to do it. Well, for a Rolling Stone, certainly. I can't imagine any other reason why a Rolling Stone would be interested, frankly. It'd just be the cow. <laughs> Don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, What are we, 90 minutes in? It's been weird so far, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much more to comment on the story, really. It I is don't. bonkers, but, um, I don't. you know. Yeah. No, it's fine. Just a funny little. This is normally when they say, and finally, yes. we put the and finally at the start of the show <laughs> because we're bloody rebels. Um, let's do some reviews, and I reckon we could move on to another joke, aka the new Offspring oh, album. Come on. <laughs> um, let's start with the Offspring 
the album is called Let the Bad Times Roll. <laughs> the 10th studio album from the SoCal skate punk legends, the owner of the biggest selling indie record of all time, Fat Fans. That's Smash, by the way. The follow-up to 2012's Days Go By, which I've got to be honest, I never heard. I never heard that record before. Have you heard that record? Days Go By is the only Offspring record I've never listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was predominantly because the reviews of that record were so poor. I decided that I'd like to keep any memories, nostalgic memories of the offspring that I had intact because mm. I have plenty, plenty of very positive, nostalgic memories of the offspring. Plenty. Yeah. Now, before we go uh, into it, I should just say first, the band have been working on this album with producer Bob Rock. Yes, that's right. The former Metallica bassist Bob Rock since 2013. It's actually their third collaboration. Uh, yeah. He started right, working with them on Rise and Fall, Rage and Grace. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, this album, the first session for this album was in August 2013. 2013. So due to a number, thing, a number of things, obviously the last one of them being the COVID pandemic, but they can't really blame the whole thing on it. This record's been a long time in the waiting and taking that long to make this but before we start like you said Renfri because this is kind of depressing I I think we're going to give this band some context and some love because I think they absolutely do deserve it oh yeah Uh, The Offspring were a very very big very very important band for me when I was growing up and although I would never claim that they were the very best of the mid 90s punk rock pack they're not as good as rancid you know they're not as good as no effects they there are other bands they might not be as good as i was about to say not as good as green day they're probably back then weren't as good as green day they are far better i think than their reputation in 2021 gives them credit for smash was as big an album for me and my kind of journey into punk rock hardcore alternative rock grunge into metal you know and beyond uh, than than any album you could care to mention that and dookie were pivotal records coming out at the same time for me really genuinely pivotal records the reason i listened to daughters and napalm death is because of smash i know that sounds like a fucking mad thing to say but i honestly think had i not have heard smash and loved it as much as i did i don't think i like neurosis now um, and that's that's what happened. I mean, that's genuinely what happened. I think Ixnay on the Hombre is great. Mm. It's a great follow-up, a bit more serious. Well, not even more serious, but a bit darker, but mm. it's, it's great. Ignition is a really, really cool underground alternative punk album. that never really gets talked about, but Ignition is fucking excellent. And they used to be really good fun, a really, really reliable live. And they had that run of hits in the late 90s and early noughties, which is a beauty, you know, Pretty Fly for a White Guy is a silly song. Original Prankster is a silly th- song. The Kids Aren't Alright is great. I Want You Bad is great. Like, they were, they were good. Offspring were, were fucking great, man. Mm. They were great for a long time. Mm. I'm not really sure what to make of The Offspring in 2021. I mean, we'll get into that a little bit later. But as a teenager... I absolutely loved 
their brand of like serious punk rock sentiment mixed up with the goofy songs about you know why 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 don't you get a job or or mm-hmm. ricky lake or whatever and um i was really because i'm a little bit younger than you i was really obsessed with americana it was americana that really got me into the offspring and as a matter of fact i had already purchased smash but i purchased smash at a time where it was too early for me to be into that kind of raw aesthetic that is so prevalent on smash i actually bought smash and dookie on the same day which on reflection at that age was a bit of a mistake because the shininess and the fact they were talking about poop and stuff like that kind of overtook smash for quite a long time and it just sort of stayed you know cover making dust for uh for a, a few years but then i heard americana and went back to smash and it all made so much more sense especially with x mm. they slotted in between them mm-hmm. um and you know between the ages of like 12 and 14 i absolutely adored the offspring like i listened to them constantly i used to i used to be one of those kids who dye their hair a different color every two months and for some reason religiously i would put on americana when i was dyeing my hair because i guess it just (laughs) got me into the into that mood of like dyeing my hair ridiculous silly fluorescent colors for some like that that album just really really spoke to me and i love those three records smash ixnay and americana absolutely fucking great um i think i'm more ignition smash ixnay would be yeah. the three that i would go for yeah but that makes sense given our <laughs> five-year age gap um i think by the time americana's successor conspiracy of one came around i kind of felt i was more or less over it i was 15 mm. Uh, especially considering the fact that Conspiracy One was pretty much an inferior retread of Americana. Um, there is a, there is a small subsect, and some of them listen to the show, and you know who you fucking are. I'm not going <laughs> to name and shame you, um, Merlin Alderslade, but there are <laughs> Luke Morton. Um, there are people who genuinely think, and I, I I am utterly baffled by this. There are people who genuinely, I know, who genuinely think Conspiracy of One, and I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, is the best Offspring album. I'm not. I mean, the- I I feel bad outing him, but I had this exact conversation with um, Matt from Haggard Cat as well, which I was just like, "What are you fucking insane?" Um, but that, again, that that is like picking. That is to me. That is like saying Saint Anger is the best <laughs> uh, Metallica album. Um, but again, it's a generational thing, isn't it? It's, I think a lot of The Offspring's appeal between 94 and, say, 2000 and... Yeah, probably 94 and 2001. It it depended which album came out around the time you were 13, you know, because Matt, mm. Luke and Merlin are all a little bit younger than me. So that to- it totally makes sense. I get it. And if Conspiracy of One had been the first Offspring album I'd heard, it'd probably be my favourite too. But, you know uh it wasn't so um yeah and um yeah it's weird that yeah, yeah. so i kind of um after conspiracy of one i was like eh, you know I, I i had my fling with offspring but i kind of not bothered um there was a weird blip with that because rise and fall rage and grace came out in 2008 which was the first record produced by bob rock and i was just in an hmv one day and looking to spend money i think i don't know why because i just stopped being a student and i wouldn't have had that much money to spend but i basically i I splashed out on it sort of for nostalgia's sake and that 
is a smashed out on it more like. a and that is a really strong record rise is it really Grace. yeah it's i've it's, never heard it it's it's actually really good it's far more sort of the serious side of the offspring sound it's most reminiscent of ixnay on the hombre and i think that is actually a really good uh, like bob rock really brought in a wonderful kind of clarity of production into the offspring sound without sanitizing it to the point of it being kind of young guns or something like that Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's continued on this record. Can't can't speak for days go by, but the nice thing, the nice thing about this record, in some respects, we got to get some nice things in there early. Is it sounds like an offspring record? I think it's fair to say. I don't think you know, and it, it doesn't. I think there's quite a few. Mo- there's a few moments where you sort of raise your eyebrows and go, "Oh, they do sound." old but there are actually quite a few moments where they do sound young and full of vigor um i mean going straight to one of my highlights on the record uh hassan chop is is almost sort of has that thrash metal-esque-ness to to its approach and i feel like it's a song that could have fit really easily on smash you know um, it's only like a minute and a half long, but it, it it's nice to hear that Offspring are still... Two minutes and 20 seconds long. Oh, actually. there we go. Mm. Uh, it's nice to hear that Offspring in 2021 are still capable of doing that if they want to. Um, I don't mm. think they do want to all that much, though. No, no, they don't. Um, I I hate Hassan Chop. Uh, oh. This is... Yeah, I think it sounds really, really like you. I, I, I mean, the fact that you said you think it would fit nicely on Smash, I m- massively disagree. I don't oh, wow. think it would. I think it would sound like the fucking Steve Buscemi, how do you do, fellow kids, fucking meme if it was put on Smash? Because I think it sounds like a really old band incapable of sounding like what they used to sound like is what i think now that doesn't necessarily mean that the offspring aren't capable of doing things that they used to do quite well i think them trying to do another killboy powerhead or lapd uh, or session is a bad idea for Mm. them right i think it's a bad idea it's probably been a bad idea for about 20 years and i think the kind of and you're suggesting hassan chop is that Yes, mm-hmm. that is kind mm-hmm. of what I'm suggesting. I I think them leaning on, why don't you get a job and uh, original prankster and and like we I mean the only offspring album that we haven't mentioned in this entire chat so far is Splinter, which has got hit that on it, which was you know I I listened to Conspiracy of One, and I was like, well, do you know what? I've got a few offspring albums I like. They that band aren't really that band anymore. Uh, not interested. But then Hit That came out, and I was like. I'm not going to listen to the album, but it's a good single. That it's a really mm. good single. It's you know kind of, it's got that offspring that <laughs> thing is it's cheesy and it's funny and it's you know and it's what the offspring got really good at. Like you can mm. say oh those, you can sort of be sneery about those that kind of late nineties early noughties kind of novelty thing that they were doing, but they were pretty good at it. Like there's no getting away from it that they were pretty good at writing. That that was a you know that was the time for those big novelty singles and Offspring had kind of four or five of them and I think those songs they were good da- at it. I think those songs have dated far better than if you talk about novelty singles compare it to say I don't know the Bloodhound Gang or something like that I think those mm. songs have dated way better than 
Uh, fucking hell, I can't even think of any Blood Island Gang songs now. Um, Bad Touch is a big one. Tracy Lane. I Chasey mean, Tracy Lane. Lane's. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that would get cancelled today, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, uh, but, but Offspring Strength is more, I think, at this point in that arena. And there are moments on that kind of like on this album where they do the kind of halftime bouncy sort of jaunty sing-along thing where I'm like, yeah, you know, this is all right. I mean, I would say the sort of start of the record, this is not utopia and let the bad times roll. Um, I was like, oh, okay. This sort of sounds like how Offspring used to sound. I'm not strictly thought it was anything amazing or groundbreaking, but I thought the first couple of first two songs and I, I mean, I'd heard "Let the Bad Time Roll," "Let the Bad Times Roll" before the album, yes, yeah, and I listened to it and I was like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. this is not very good. It's not very good at all." But somehow, it's ended up becoming one of the songs I like the most on the record. Um. Oh wow. Okay. Um. It 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 makes more sense on the record than it did as a as a single. Um. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my least favorite moments on the entire thing i think mm-hmm. i would say it just uh it kind of feels like the offspring via wheatus uh all those yeah. kind of acoustic guitars which are really uh or, or even like warning era green day you know which mm. i mean i don't mind warning as a record but i understand why people find it a bit slow and lethargic especially compared to you know fucking insomniac and nimrod and yada yada, yada. uh yeah and and there's just the uh, you know and then you've got the the lyrics which i i, I just kind of raise my eyebrow and I'm like is, should dexter holland be singing about this stuff <laughs> like what are you talking about he, he just sounds very old man on it you know yeah um you know uh i think this is not utopia it's uh, a pretty is a decent enough start although i was looking back at um the offspring albums and they're actually really good at starting records generally they mm. usually start with a fucking killer song even the quote-unquote bad albums usually start with a banger and i think this is not utopia is a decent enough song um mm. to start the record with um yeah where do you want to go from there do you want to carry on well um sort of i mean i think again i coming for you which is another single i think is where i mean to be honest so you've got the first six songs of a 12 track (coughs) album this is not utopia let the bad times roll behind your walls army of one Uh, they're kind of all right actually breaking these bones i was like yeah you know this sort of sounds like an an offspring album then you've got coming for you which is another one of the singles really big single and at that point i was like it's not been great mm. it's not been great but it's not been terrible yeah i i would agree with that and i would also say that like that that run of behind your walls army of one breaking these bones um there's nothing they're just more they're more forgettable than bad aren't they I it, 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 I, exactly there, there's nothing mm. there's nothing particularly wrong with them but but they don't particularly stick with me either they're very kind of like in one ear out the other i think Mm. yeah and i thought the sort of first half of the album was fine but then the first half and the second half really in terms of quality to quote the band themselves you gotta keep them separated i would say um (laughs) (laughs) i did i did i had to uh because the second half of the record i personally think is a disaster 
and is as bad <laughs> as anything I've heard in 2021. Oof, crikey. And I, I think it is a, just, it drops off a cliff and it is a disaster, personally. Does it drop off a cliff with um, We Never Have Sex Anymore because that it's, song speaks to you too much? Or, uh, uh, I mean, one, that's none of your business. And two, <laughs> uh, it does, yeah, because that song is fucking just cringeworthy. It's just so cringy. Yeah, it's it's more of the, it's, you know it's one of when the offspring go comedy kind of thing. You know, it's them doing that comedy thing, which is the side of you know if you've got serious offspring and comedy offspring, I'm far more interested in serious offspring than I am comedy offspring. Mm. To be totally honest, kind of in the similar vague to I don't know, don't pick it up on X Nail or something like that. Mm. Um, I saw the song title and immediately predicted it was going to be the comedy song and kind of braced myself for it. Um, yeah. and I think because of the bracing and I'd been bracing since track one up to track seven, it didn't, I didn't think it was quite as awful as I expected it to be, but I really expected it to be dreadful. So that's not much of a defense to be totally honest. It's not very good. No, it's really bad. And I think, I mean, maybe I, I wasn't looking at the track list and I just put the album on and went about my business and listened oh. to it on the background. Cause I think you can do that with a North spring album, especially first time round. And when that started, I did stop and I did okay. my eyes were doing like the triple jump they were rolling back so they're like a fucking gymnast i would love going back and back and back i'd love to know what your eyes did uh when uh, the next track came on oh i I mean so here's the thing right we've waited nine years for this fucking record they've been Uh, making this record for nine for nine years well they've been well they've been recording it on and off since 2013 so yeah eight years eight years and I think what amazes me about the second half of the record is that it's just sort of shitted together at the last minute as if it's an afterthought. It sounds half of, finished. It sounds half in the, finished. In the Hall of the Mountain King, which is... Which Trent Reznor did better on... Um, I mean, obviously, oh, Trent yeah, on the social network, on the social network track, which yeah. is absolutely amazing. And then you've got yeah. this like kind of chip van halen version of it here and it's a minute long and you're like why yeah why? it's it's a minute long cover of the uh famous grieg uh not song but symphony uh and tasman uh, grieg wrote that from, <laughs> from black books that's right um and uh my generation and that. probably your generation as well will know it as the uh theme to the haunted house at Alton towers um <laughs> Yeah, it's a punk rock cover of fucking pointless. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but also a fucking waste of time. Even though it's only I a actually, minute. Actually, I, I mean, after we never have sex anymore, to do that. <laughs> like, are you having a laugh? Why are you doing that? <laughs> You're mad. I mean, it's certainly it's a way to fill a track, I guess. It, it, it's, it is it is i guess that's the other thing we should say as well people have been waiting eight years for this record and all we get really we get 12 tracks 33 minutes i would say this really only has 10 songs on it because i'm not really willing to count in the hall of the mountain one minute instrumental version of in the hall of the mountain King. i'd say nine oh yeah oh actually i mean no, in I the hall of the mountain right. King, it is yeah, not yeah. A, it's not a song 
Lullaby, the last... So anyway, it goes to the Opioid Diaries, which I think is the best song of the second half, even though I right now I don't even know what it sounds like. I just know. <laughs> I, I don't have a strong negative response to it. Uh, Hassan, Hassan Chop, I've already spoken about. I don't think that's up to it at all, personally. Wow. I was a bit like, you can't do that anymore, guys. You're, just, you're not really capable of doing that. And then we get... A, a John Lewis cover of their 1997 single Gone Away, mm. which presumably, which is just Dexter Holland on a piano singing Gone Away, which is a great song. And Brilliant they've just song. done a shitty piano, like fucking John Lewis Christmas advert version of it. Yeah. And presumably the only reason they've done it is because they felt sorry for Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. And went, oh, you've done the worst version of this song. I'll tell you what, we'll do it even worse. And then... You get a, a, a reprise of Let the Bad Times Roll for a minute called mm. Lullaby, mm. which is the same thing. And it's like, that's not a song either. Mm. And then yeah. the album ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've gone nine fucking years. Yeah. I guess from that perspective, we are basically saying that Offspring have written one song a year in 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 the, mm. like, the last nine and one years. one of them is We Never Had Sex Anymore. Yeah. I'm going to presume that was fucking 2016 when... <laughs> When Trump got in, Brexit happened and David Bowie died. And they went, well, we might as well write, we'll write the worst one. Or 2020, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, there's a few that they could have written from that year. Um, oh, man, it's really hard to argue with any of your points because the second half is is a mess. And for an album which has been so long in the making, like, for example, I mean, Chinese Democracy... Yes, which it's they a, famously tried to to slag off as well, didn't they? Well, yeah, which which is really funny now because they they did slag off. They made a lot of jokes about Chinese democracy. They were weren't they? They wanted to name conspiracy of one Chinese democracy, didn't they? Yeah, uh, Chinese um, democracy. You snooze, you lose. It was going to be yes, crazy. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then got into troubles. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of Offspring's Chinese democracy in a way. Um, and uh, it's not as good as Chinese democracy. Um, but it also, with Guns N' Roses' Chinese democracy, at least it sounds like, it sounds like a million dollars, you know. I mean, it cost mm. about eight million, but it it sounds amazing. And the and I wouldn't say that this doesn't sound good. It is produced by Bob Rock after all, but mm. the second half of the record does kind of limp to a conclusion rather than it doesn't feel focused at all. It does feel very like let's just throw a load of ideas at the yeah, wall. If, if this is a horse like like a horse race limping over. I mean, by the time you get to the piano version, you've gone away. It's not even limping over the thing. Like, it's glue by that point. Do you know what I mean? It's in the glue <laughs> factory. It is fucking dead. And I, I hate doing this because I, I tell you what, what I will say, right, it's not only do I, were offspring really important for me. When they played Smash in full at Download, I interviewed, I sat, I got to kind of sit down with, and I went into the dressing room with Noodles and Dexter. Mm. And they're two of the nicest people to interview I have yeah. ever, ever interviewed. And I sort of, I was doing it for Team Rock Radio and I sort of did the whole you aren't going to believe, like, if, if 14-year-old me knew where I was right now, and they seemed mm. really like, oh, we're really glad you feel like that. And So now for me to turn around and be like, actually, though, fuck you, the second half of your album sucks. I don't feel good about that. It's not like Billy Joe Armstrong, where I'm like, mate, you've said some dumb things in the press, and, you know, you've just sort of been a bit obnoxious, and you keep making really, really bad records. I don't feel like, I kind of, I get to someone like Green Day, and I think, 
you've been asking for a kick in for a long time. The whole no Swedish songwriters, no trap beats, all that book, like pure rock and roll. I'm going to kill pop punk. All that nonsense, mm. I think, is something where you go, well, you know, mate, you've, you've really kind of set yourself up for a fall here. Offspring have basically just carried on doing the thing they're doing, taking ages to release an album, which is a bad album. And they're playing yeah. Wembley with the Hives. They just announced this week they're playing Wembley with the Hives. And... I would absolutely love to go to that. Like I was looking at their set list. I saw them at Hellfest in 2016 and they started with a couple of new songs, but there were like out of the 21 songs they played, I was counting it and there were pockets of like five song runs mm. about, th- about three points throughout that, that set list. So I was like, look at that five song run. Mm. Fucking awesome. Mm. So, you know, I think that will be really, really good. And I think the fact that they're, they're playing Wembley means that, and they're on the front cover of Kerrang this week as well, means mm. that, you know, people are starting to kind of look at them again because I don't really feel like people have even really thought about Offspring at all, really. Like as an as a as a current band for probably about fifteen years. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, it it feels like from certainly sort of from Splinter onwards, it feels like mm. they were going more into the kind of like we're veteran bands now. Yeah, kind of I mean, you you said about Rise and Fall, Raging Grace. Like, I just I remember that coming out and it was just a shrug. Like, well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, at all. it was it was totally met with a shrug, which is why I was so surprised when I put it on and like, no, this is actually a really good record. Um, mm. I kind of recommend people listen to that instead of this. Um, but yeah, and and in terms of Offspring as a live band, I've not seen Offspring live since. I think 2007, but I saw them at Brixton Academy on the Splinter Tour and they were fucking brilliant. Like they opened with Americana mm. and like they played a fucking excellent set. Only two songs from Splinter, but then like, that's probably right uh, mm. because <laughs> Splinter's fine. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd still really like to go to that Wembley show. Yeah, them and the highs, I think I think it'll be really, really great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've blacklisted after saying this. But like, I, you know, and, and the thing is, to be honest, that Wembley show, if they do just chuck in, come in for you, if they probably start with This Is Not Utopia, come in for you, let the bad times roll. If that's the only thing they do from this album, it'll, you know, I mean, they might do one or two more. But, you know, it will. that will probably be a really, really good, It'd be a really good show i'm sure um i think I they think... know i think they know where their bread is buttered as well like unless this yeah. album like goes to number one or something like that which you know i can't see that happening can you stranger things have happened i would say stranger i i i, I, I don't we're number one a couple of weeks well, ago, so yeah stranger <laughs> yeah, things have definitely yeah exactly happened. i i i don't i yeah i wouldn't even begin to predict it but you know yeah they could play four songs from this and pick them right i mean basically steer well clear of the second half of the record and then do a greatest hit set they're gonna be fucking amazing and offspring don't need to release a good record but they have released a record um which they're probably going to want to promote they have released a record and you know we have to review it and you know you're right i take no pleasure from this i mean i have to say it's it's unfortunate because i really i went into this being like i really hope this is like bush from last year and i really hope we like it i didn't go i didn't go into it hoping like green day that it was going to be crap or like when they get I mean, I didn't hope Green Day was going to be crap, but you know when you're just like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be rubbish and, oh, it will be mm-hmm. funny to give it a kick in. I don't really want to give it a kick in. I just think the second half, the second half is just indefensible. It's just, it's dreadful. I mean, it's it's really, really dreadful, the second half of the record. If the, if the, if the, if the first half and the, the second half was like slightly worse than the first half, 
I think we would have come in and gone, hey, man, offspring, like they can still kind of do the thing that they do. But because the second half is just, I mean, it's atrocious, the second half. Um, it's really, really bad. And the first half is not good enough to carry such an appalling second half, I don't think. No. So overall, this is, a, I mean, it, were I to mark it out of 10, I'd give it a four out of 10, maybe a three. Uh, yeah, I do think a four is relatively fair. Mm. Um, still, see it at Wembley, everyone. <laughs> We're not going to Yeah, 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 go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 buy tickets. We can buy tickets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I would, and I would love to talk. I, I would, I would really like to talk to Noodles and Dexter again because I thought they were just two absolutely lovely, luscious gentlemen. Well, they're not going to like you now, are they? Oh well, the thing is, they should like me because I'm not being a cunt about their band. <laughs> I just think the second half of this record is just really bad. It's rubbish. Like, but I like them and I like Offspring. I do. Yeah. I actually do like the Offspring. Yeah, same, same. I sh I feel your pain. This is, uh, yeah, it sucks. But I'm I mean, not going to lie, am I? Nah. I'm going to lie and go, no, 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 you've no. gone oh, away. Piano no, version is amazing. No one it's in not. the music industry lies. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, they do. What Renfrey was being sarcastic there, anyway, <laughs> by the way, they do. There's just one, only, only, there is only one who does not lie. Well, and it's me. Just wait, you. just wait for the, just wait for the 4K review of this album to come out and we'll see whether people, whether music journalists lie or not, won't we? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I cannot, I, I, I find myself sitting here wanting to defend it more and yet not being able to. Mm. So what else, what else can yeah. I say? Um, better than Green Day though, isn't it? Better than Father of All Motherfuckers, absolutely. And, better uh, than Corey Taylor. Oh, better fuck than yeah. Better than Blink-182. Oh, God. Uh, I can't even remember that record. Probably. I can't remember. <laughs> and better than, um, I don't know, having your sort of leg amputated. It's better than <laughs> that as well, isn't it? <laughs> I think the No Effects record's better, which came out this year. No Effects record is better, yeah. Um, yeah. God, what else have we reviewed from that time? I don't think we have reviewed anything else pop punky from that no. time, really, have we? No, but, yeah. really. <sighs> shrug see emoji it. see it Wembley oh. <laughs> let the bad times roll by offspring is out next week I should point out it's actually you, you've got another week to uh, prep yourself ready for it <laughs> as is uh, this record we're going to talk about now we're kind of busy week next week and not so busy week this week so we bumped two records forward offspring is one the other one is the greatest mistake of my life by holding absence this is the second album from the welsh post-hardcore band is that accurate post-hardcore it, it um, says that doesn't it on their wikipedia page maybe. maybe i don't i don't think it's wrong i think they are the very light end of the post-hardcore spectrum but i will go with that that's fine Thanks, mate. Your <laughs> affirmation means everything to me. Anyway, this is the follow-up to their self-titled debut album from 2019, an album that we reviewed at the time. And uh, we said that there were things that showed promise from this, from that record, especially from a style of music that we really didn't have that much in the way of love for. You went back, because you are probably a bit more professional than me, you went back and re-listened to our review for some kind of context, Renfrey, which I i didn't do um what what did we say specifically back then just uh 
so. will say we were far more keen on it than I remembered. Um, uh, not that it was, you know, strictly specifically for us, I think, but certainly in terms of the uh, hype around them, um, I, we, we were kind of careful not to say it was hype at the time, but I think it certainly has turned into hype now. Withholding absence, some of the things that people say, especially about their live performance and stuff, does feel very hyperbolic. Um, but I think whilst it wasn't a record that we loved, we were very, 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 we were both very keen on the final track, Wilt, on that record, uh, which is an absolutely glorious sort of six minute six and a half minute send off on that album and i re-listened to that and i have to say that is still an absolutely cracking song um and i made an argument at the time as well that whilst i'm not a massive fan of bands like holding absence and mm -hmm. you aren't either uh, they are integral to the rock music landscape as a sort of bridging act from radio to seeking out more alternative subcultures yourself you know yeah i, I mean they have just been on the front cover of kerrang recently yeah and i mean good for them good for a young uk band to be getting that kind of attention and we just mentioned the offspring on the front cover of kerrang and when you look at you know the size of a band like the offspring in the sort of music landscape at large and compare it to the size of holding absence there's quite a discrepancy there so the fact that they are managing to get themselves into those spaces and we obviously wish them every success with that because like you say um those things are important that those bands at least continue to be put into those spaces and they seem to have captured something in people as well holding absence i don't think this is a case of the music industry and the music industry machine kind of pushing them i feel like they seem to have um they seem to really have captured something within uh their fan base people and there is bands like that yeah there are bands that, that, that just that that just sort of happens for yeah you know, for whatever reason people who like them really fucking love them like really mm. love them like yeah, a lot of um people i didn't expect to have holding absence that that album in there album of the year lists and stuff like that you know when people got it they really really got it but i think it is fair to say that they are a bridging band those bands are important yeah. but i think that is a fair thing to say mm -hmm. um you also said steve at the time i think they'll get better i'm definitely not down on them at all i think this has got lots of elements of things that could be good one day i think they take what they've got and they re i think they if they take what they've got and they realize what they're that they're a way off being a special band and i hope they go right well oh fucking hell i can't understand that, anything that's what i said was it that is what i said <laughs> doesn't sound like something i'd say to be honest Winfrey. i think you fucking stitched me right up there you made me sound like a made me sound like fucking rain man i do apologize what i meant was and i hope they go right well in two albums time by the third album we can make something great mm -hmm. uh, which i think was a perfectly fine and astute thing to say at the time but have they gone in the direction that we would have been more interested in, hmm. do you think? Well, just for a little uh, additional thing on that. Um, yeah, you're right. We said on that first album that particularly that last song had something that I guess we felt they should kind of lean in on that. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure they really have done that on this record. And I think it's it's quite easy to be cautiously optimistic about a band on a debut album yeah you know um but there's definitely a lot more riding up 
uh, riding on a follow-up record always i think and i think you have to take that that career move into account with a second record Absolutely. right yeah and if i'm honest i think i'm out personally i think yeah. i'm out like with all due respect to them uh i don't think i'm ever gonna be someone who loves holding absence that's that's my my feeling from thinking about how i thought on the first record on the first record i wasn't really sure this has sort of made me go i don't i don't think it's bad mm. per se particularly mm. i mean a song like curse me with your kiss is kind of catchy and very well produced in a a quite sterile way i think it kind of drives along and has all the sort of bring me the horizon synth parts in the background and it's catchy and it's out and it's anthemic without ever really feeling that vital mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. um and i feel like that's kind of one of the best songs on the record as well and there's a song called afterlife which is a really really big chorus and i think the swell and the riff is undeniably enjoyable and it feels like the sort of song that actually to be honest that particular song afterlife is one of the ones where i go i don't think i love this album particularly um but that might stick with me that song that song like there are even if the album itself doesn't like um uh what's a good example of that rot by, by north lane right i listen to rot by north lane quite a lot and i really like that song despite the fact that i think it's actually a fairly unremarkable song and i think north lane are i mean i, I was gonna say bang average but I think even that's been quite generous to North Lane, but I'll stick with it because I'm trying to be nice. But I think North Lane are a bang average band and they've written a song which isn't particularly remarkable, but for whatever reason, I heard it a few times and I was like, oh, that's actually a good song. And, I'm, and I listened to it a fair bit. And I think a song like Afterlife might be a song like that. Mm. And that's probably in terms of my enjoyment of this record and how mm. much... That's about as much as I think Holding Absence are going to get out of me, to be honest. Yeah. But that's I, my taste as much as anything else, really. Yeah, I, I think I've had what sounds like almost exactly the same experience with this record as you have. I, I listen to it and I go, well, there's nothing quote unquote bad about this album. I actually think it's been put together very nicely in lots of ways, but uh, really well, actually, in some in some respects. But um, in terms of my tastes, it's very difficult for me to get past um, how wet this band can sound, really. Um, and it's just just not really to my taste. And I have to say, a lot of that does, a lot of that is due to vocalist uh, Lucas Woodland. I actually think that the instrumentation that is happening underneath his vocals is often really, really interesting. And if an instrumental version of this album were to be released, uh, as Loathe did with I Let It In and It Took Everything, I think I'd be really interested to hear it. And it's not that um, Woodland is a bad vocalist at all. Like, far from it. He's actually a very accomplished vocalist and very, very good mm. at what he is doing. But the performance, for my taste, just feels so clean um almost as if like a large chunk of the emotional heft has been exercised and instead replaced with this sort of squeaky clean vocal that is telling me telling me that i should be feeling emotion through the words that are being sung but it isn't making me feel any of those emotions through its performance you know um i do believe strongly that this is an emotional heartfelt al album that comes from from a very real place but it's presented in such a kind of um glorified um well look 
pretentious way. And I, I hate using the word pretension uh, in, in reviews because A, it's used against post-rock all the time and that upsets me. <laughs> and B, um, I think, you know, pretension, you can look at it as being, you know, stuffed far up your ass or whatever or you can look at it as a band trying to look at things from a different perspective and aim for something a little bit higher and brighter and shinier but even down to kind of like the really grand way that this record is presented you know the cover very boldly states sharp tone records presents the greatest mistake of my life performed by holding absence you know it's very grand and it's very kind of like, this is a bold statement. This is a culturally significant and important piece of work. Um, but it just doesn't, listening to it, it just doesn't feel like that particularly. It, it has all the kind of smashes and bashes and crashes and explosions of a big blockbuster movie in audio terms, but it just doesn't really make me feel all that much, really. Um, and I think there are people who will feel plenty of things from this record, but I think the manner in which the vocals are presented, whilst not objectively bad, are not are not a style or approach that I can ever get on board with, really. Mm. Yeah, I um, I think there's I, I I hadn't really considered that in in that way to, to, to be honest. Like it doesn't. Um, I mean, pretentious is definitely not the word that I would use. I think um, no, I don't. As I said, I, I don't like using I think, that word. But I think kind of um, it, worthy. And again, that feels like a real sort of slag off. But it feels like an album that thinks it's very worthy. Well, yeah, and they're trying to execute this very grandly. Mm. Um, and you know, it's not the Satanist. <laughs> you know, it's not. No. Uh, it definitely isn't the Satanist. It isn't. I don't know the fragile. It mm. isn't. You know, like. That would feel, uh, even though I don't think Behemoth and Nine Inch Nails would ever do anything like that, it would at least feel appropriate to 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 um, put the record out in that manner. You know, Nine Inch Nails presents the fragile. Yeah, but here's here's the thing that, that I think is the the problem with when you talk about it being like that, and mm. I think this comes across in the record. And it's just sort of dawned on me actually, is that for a band who are who call themselves a sort of post hardcore band, uh, and you know, I think like bands like thrice or thursday you could probably aim this at as well but i think they make such sublimely brilliant music and are very make very innovative cha challenging music um it's not a lot of fun this record you know no. I, I don't think it's, it's it's not there doesn't seem to be a lot of and maybe it's a serious record but there's not a lot of joy in this record and i think even even a record like even a record like stage four by touche and more which is a very difficult, emotionally overwrought, not overwrought, but an emotionally wrought, quite harrowing at some points record. I feel like it's kind of love and joy in that record. And I don't feel, considering the kind of sterility and the clinicalness of this record, I don't feel like there's a any, there's not enough moments in it when, when they go for it. And there are a few moments where there's, you know, unclean vocals and some quite cool guitar riffs but there doesn't seem to be like yeah it doesn't seem to be a lot of actual joy in the play like sort of fun or joy or excitement in the playing of it it's it does, there's a kind of clinical 
thing about the band that they're kind of they feel sort of standoffish and i don't i i find it quite hard to connect to them i i actually agree completely although i i can understand why some people would listen to this and be like what are you talking about there's loads of joy on the record because for example the first song proper after uh the intro of awake celebration song i think the first lyric of the entire record is i am alive you know like and being very triumphant and all that kind of thing so Mm. actually i think thematically i think there are joyous triumphant theme themes in the record but because of that neutered sterilized sound that you're talking about that joy and evanescence doesn't come out at me because it feels like it's been neutered um and as a result you know the record does go through quite a um uh calamitous emotional journey from celebration song to morning song the last song proper um it, it absolutely goes on a journey but i don't feel that journey because of the neutered neutered nature of the way that it's been put together which is a choice and which plenty of people won't have an issue with at all but it's something that i particularly and obviously you in this case as well just i'm we're not going to get on with it i don't think at any point unfortunately Mm. yeah there's you know there there are a few bands who choose to sort of present their music in this way and i think you know it's something that again bring me the horizon i guess are probably an obvious comparative point to make because bring me the horizon are a band who have pretty much changed i would say they sort of changed the game in and around uh this whatever this kind of modern alternative post hardcore metallic metalcore like you know kind of anthemic metalcore radio rock thing whatever you want to kind of class those as and bring me are a band who uh very very quickly to me very very quickly sort of lost i think we spoke we obviously we mentioned bring me the eyes and a lot they sort of in the last few albums there have been things that i've liked but they feel they there's there's a uh, they, there's a soul that has been lost from that mm-hmm. and i think there's a, a way of making that and i think the bands who haven't fallen into that trap to me are the ones who are the only ones that I'm really interested in. We're going to talk about While She Sleeps last uh, last next week, week, next week. Yeah. We're going to talk about While She Sleeps. And to me, the reason why While She Sleeps, even when they went more into that kind of Radio 1 territory, the reason they kind of got away with it more is because you never lost the sort of the heartbeat of the band. And I think you yeah. can you can cover this type of music in so much kind of extraneous, clinical, mechanical shelling mm. that you don't really that you have so much to pull through to get to the very heart of it. And I, I just, and when the songs are okay, rather than staggeringly great, like there are a few bands who have written songs where you go, I mean, undoubtedly that is a incredible song. Hmm. Um, Well, I would say, well, on the last record, you know, uh, it it really is. I don't remember that. So I remember like the same as well, but I don't actually remember what it sounds like i mean right now. I, I went back to it on purpose because i wanted to make sure it was sort of clear in my head and, and and i don't think there's anything on here which matches up to will i think the closest thing is morning song which is this record's attempt at a wilt i think and it's good um but it 
and it has a kind of crescendo core aping structure and a very anthemic quality and everything on paper is good but again it just doesn't quite hit me in that same way so and then they end with the title track which is one minute and 27 seconds long and sounds completely different from everything else and it's a very odd way to end the record and i have to say it's the one time my ears really pricked up and i felt like i was listening to something quite kind of analog and human sounding and apparently yes. it's a cover so it's <laughs> it's a cover yeah it's a cover of the song that kind of inspired the record um and it is called the greatest mistake of my life um i can't recall off the top of my head who did the original but it's a very old kind of i think it's a song from the 40s or something yeah, it like sounds that like it is yeah. um uh and yeah i mean it's completely gracie fields gracie fields and it's completely different to anything else on the album. Um, it was quite amusing because uh, you sent me a message a couple of days ago saying the only song I like on this record is that last song. And then I informed you a couple of hours later that it's a cover. <laughs> so, I mean, that does say quite a lot, I think. Um, just very quickly going back to the Bring Me comparison, which I think is absolutely apt. One thing I will say in Holding Absence's uh, favour over bring me is i think that they are more consistent than bring me have been in the last mm -hmm. 10 years or so mm -hmm. but i think bring me's highs in the last 10 years have been higher bar wilt than anything holding absence have done um yeah and they're so, not i mean they're, they're quite different bands it was more a sort of production they are quite different bands, but I also think they're going for a similar thing. And I, I would argue they're probably oh, going for a similar crowd. Going for a similar thing. Yeah, <laughs> of course, everybody's going for that. Um, yeah, you know. Well, did, do, you, do you disagree with that? Or, or? No, no, I, I think oh. everybody is. I think I think pretty much everybody is going for that crowd. Like they just are. There's, you know, um, it's kind of too, in sort of, I guess, modern heavier music. There's only really two types of crowds that you're going for really isn't it and one's the vein and jesus peace and code orange crowd and the other one is the bring me the horizon crowd i suppose you could you could split it like that i guess yeah i'm sure there are outliers but but very broadly i guess you could split it like that yeah mm, that's what i think and post sempaternal you know, everybody's had a go at that, haven't they, really? I mean, Fever 333, I think, are going for that. I think, like, as much as I, you know, architects are going for that. To be fair to them, the only ones who aren't, actually, Sleeps are definitely going for that, I think, as well. Um, the only ones who aren't, uh, and fair play to them for this, are Partway Drive, who aren't going for either. You're probably Good right, actually. Yeah, yeah, mm. you're probably right. So let's not get too negative. It's like it's been a bit of a negative show. Let's not get too negative. Partway Drive are great. Well, <laughs> I want they are. They have just, just, just proven, mathematically proven that they are. So fuck you. Um, another reason for me to like Parkway Drive even more than I already did. Uh, the Greatest Mistake <laughs> of My Life by, I don't need any more excuses, but I've got one. So thank you. Uh, Holding Absence, The Greatest Mistake of My Life is out again next week. And we move on to something kind of weirdly, I say weirdly, it, it it's comparable in a sense i think and we'll get into that in a minute i yeah uh, I, I think it's comparable personally yeah loss by devil sold his soul this is the fourth studio album from the london-based post-metal sextet the first album in nearly a decade i had their previous album which amazingly is 2012 
uh empire of light 2012 that album came out as a last album i mean that was pretty high in my albums of the year in that particular year and i was at the time as well a very big fan of a fragile hope from 2007 it's been a minute though since devil sold his soul have done anything and i guess to me as someone who was into them quite a lot when they first came out you kind of wonder what could have been for devil sold his soul because I think they were a genuinely great band in an era of some very good bands from that time. And when you look at where their peers have gone, again, Bring Me the Horizon, again, Architects, I was much more into Devil Sold His Soul and I was much more into A Fragile Hope than I was the first, I mean, the first couple of Bring Me albums I didn't even listen to. I think even the first couple of Architects albums, comparatively to, to Devil Sold His Soul, I thought Devil Sold to Soul were, you know, I was more into them. Mm. Definitely initially. Um, certainly, I mean, I certainly the ingredients of mixing post-hardcore with these more sumptuous or almost almost post-rock structures mm-hmm. is something that should be right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, and on paper, it sounds like a really thrilling proposition for someone of my tastes. Um, but in practice, Devil Sold to Soul never really connected with me. Um, which is maybe why I see similarities with Holding Absence. Um, and a- as far as their albums have gone, this is actually the first Devil Sold His Soul album I've heard in full. I've heard bits and pieces of the other three, um, but it's the first one I've heard in full. I'm mainly familiar with Devil Sold His Soul through live performance. I've seen them live um, a fair few times now. Uh, most recently supporting, was it Employed to Serve at the Garage? It was Employed to yeah, Serve, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I was fairly ho-hum about them then and and this is a record which i feel really grabs for my attention a lot and it's certainly far more accomplished in terms of songwriting and far more dynamic um than say the holding absence record um but it very rarely grabs its hooks into me as much as i feel like it should mm. uh do you have a theory as to why that might be or on this particular record or just their on this on this particular record i think it's a little bit unfair to judge them on live performances alone i mean this is the only okay. record i've heard of them, so. well, well what i would say about devil so i was like um you know i just to kind of pick up on that it does seem like the sort of thing that you particularly would like i always mm. saw them as this sort of melding of post-rock in its more uh a crescendo-y forms mm-hmm. uh Wilhaven and something very emo a i mean i mentioned thursday a minute ago probably something yeah i guess the kind of harsher end of something like thursday and again on, on paper like fucking beautiful and i but i think all three of those things are so challenging individually in their own right that putting them together and making songs which do justice to all three of those things stylistically whilst at the same time being able to create a a kind of coherent thing i've always found devil sold his soul a very challenging band a band that need to be listened to album wise quite a lot you know it's, what i mean they're, they're not under very instant in the difference between for me the difference between devil sold his soul and holding absence one of the many differences for me is i listened to holding absence and i felt like i had a handle on what they were doing immediately i don't really feel like that with devil sold his soul i always mm. feel like at first it does just feel like one long 
power chord almost one long jangly mm. power chord with different kind of melodic or screamy vocals going at the top of it and it's only when i get kind of 10 12 15 listens into it that i start to be able to actually not differentiate from the songs but to really be able to appreciate the different flavors of things that they are throwing in because they're yeah, they're a very dense, there's a very dense, heady mix of stuff that's going on here. And all of them individually, I think, are are quite difficult to decipher as is. So um They're certainly going yeah. for a very, very ambitious sound, undoubtedly. Mm. And it's kind of I mean, in terms of bands who have pulled off that post hardcore mixed with post rock and emo thing, the only one that springs to mind who pull it off and pull it off on a regular basis is Envy. I think. Yeah, you know? I mean, I've not heard enough Envy albums to know about the consistent basis, but certainly the album that we spoke about last year, which I kind of forgot about towards the end of last year. And then when somebody said, oh, I wasn't in your top 20. And I was like, oh, mm. yeah, fuck. I should it's a great record. Probably listen back to that. And yeah, that is yeah. a very good record. But it's, it's, um, it's a hard thing to do, though. It's very, very it hard. So it's definitely something to be admired that they're, they're, they're doing this. Um, but for some reason, maybe I do just need to listen to it more. I've given it a fair, I mean, half a dozen listens at least. Maybe I do need to go closer to nine, ten listens before these songs really get their hooks into me. But I, I feel like the the only song um, that I felt really uh, got me the whole way through is probably Tateshi. Okay. Uh, which begins, it leads us into a sort of false sense of security as this really gorgeous like panoramic post-rock texture suddenly gives way to a very ferocious all-out hardcore verse mm. um and i think that you know that's an amazing song i think witness marks which is eight minutes long second track i was the about record. to say I, I i think it starts very strongly actually and witness yeah. marks is a <clears throat> really strong start um we should before we go any further sorry to cut you off there mate mm. but we should say there you know this is their first album on Nuclear Blast. So yes. they're on a big label now, right? So this feels like a chance for them, uh, post-sign of Nuclear Blast, to kind of finally do the thing that maybe they've threatened to do for a long time. And I'd love to say that they're now in a position to do something massive and to really capitalise on the architects and bring me their eyes of success. But I have to say, I, like, I just can't see it, to be honest. Commercially mm -hmm. speaking, I just can't see it. I think they... Unlike the difference between Devil's Side of Soul and Bring With Your Eyes and Architects and those bands is they haven't really changed that much stylistically from those early days. They've not really incorporated any sort of pop influences. They've not really kind of incorporated any, uh, I was going to say synthy dance. Well, there's a difference between, you know, there's a difference between um, synth and dance. I think there's kind of, electronic i guess sort of electronic -y washes but there's not really anything kind of synthy in the zeitgeisty way at all there's nothing zeitgeisty about this record you mentioned when we went against see him with employed to serve and there were people there who were there for employed to serve who didn't really know about this band and they just said oh they just sound like my mate jamie's a lot younger than me and i went with him and, and he was like they just sound really fucking old to me they just oh, sound right. really old and past it sounds really dated and i was a bit like oh come on man like you know this stuff is it shouldn't sound dated surely but i and i think that's a bit harsh but i can see what he says and unlike the bands who have gone on to headline ali pally and ao2 and stuff you know they haven't really changed all that much like, it doesn't make them bad as a band it doesn't make this a bad album at all but i think it will be at this point pretty much impossible for them to capitalize on 
you know, I can't see them getting much bigger is what mm. I'm saying. Even with this record, I think they've, I think had they have, I don't know, it's a risk in it to, you know, it would have been a risk for them to kind of really, really change and people would have gone, oh, you know, you're bandwagoneering or whatever. Um, or you don't sound like the classic this and that. And there's nine years between albums. I think this is a, a record. I, I'm not sure they've ever sounded better in terms of the production. It's, this album, I think this album sounds fucking amazing. Okay. But I'm not sure that the songs are the strongest set of songs that they've ever written. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay that's interesting um i i think there are i i think there are a lot of great moments on this record but not all that many great songs um a lot of the songs are quite long i mean uh there's only three songs which fall under the five minute mark i believe and you know it's 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 a long record yes it's too long um it's 61 minutes and six seconds and i think it um there's too much material that wavers I think for it to be that long, really, so there's too much material that doesn't keep your attention entirely. When it does work, I think it is fucking awesome, and I can see the um, the seeds of a truly brilliant band. I think Signal Fire is an amazing song. Jumps straight out of the gate. Mm. Uh, sounds quite reminiscent of the much lauded or loathed delete as applicable black gay scene. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. sounds like they've been listening to Deaf Heaven. Um, and I think it's the most successful song for me because it's the one that feels the most dynamic. When it gets very quiet, it gets really quiet. Um, but it's one of the only songs, I think that and Tateshi are probably the only two songs on the record that I could say are, are great from beginning to end. Um, like I said, I think, uh, I think, oh, what was the second track called again? Witness Marks has some, great stuff on it there's these weird kind of almost i don't think they are pig squeals because i don't think they're made vocally but these really weird industrial pig squeal type things which come into that song which sounds fucking awesome Mm -hmm. um but yeah it just all it sounds a little unfocused quite a lot of the time and a little bit wishy-washy and um a lot of things which i think a lot of people would level at at post-rock records (laughs) you know and say it just kind of wanders a little bit at times and it doesn't feel it feels like it could have been so much more succinct and if it had been more succinct it would have been so much more powerful i think Mm. um but but there are really good moments on it and i think there might be i'd be curious to check out their other three albums now especially Mm. if you say one of them going to your top 20 of the year i mean i Mm. i wouldn't have expected that having just listened to this on its own um but uh yeah i i think i think there are some really interesting things that they are capable of doing it's just they don't manage to do that most of the time yeah i mean one of the things i will say about the band is i think they have always slightly over egged everything like right. everything just feels a little like kind of everything just feels like a little bit too long always um and i don't think and i think it would really help them both creatively and commercially if they were to you know kind of squeeze that in a little bit because we were having a conversation about post-rock structures last week with um uh godspeed black emperor and you're going this is why you need this is why you do need to have them be this long and i kind of said to you and i think this there are parts on this where i think it kind of backs me up not that they're a post-rock band per se but still i think that the you know it's a kind of relative comparison that 
it's only worth having a 20 minute long song if and and those songs they, if those songs need to be 20 minutes like the godspeed song they only need to be 20 minutes if they need to be 20 minutes like a song like for example um uh but not forgotten right which is the ninth track on the record so you've been here quite a long you know you've been with devil soul the soul for quite a long time but not forgotten i think has got a, a great riff and some really cool like soaring vocal interplay in it but i don't think it needs to be seven minutes long mm. you know especially at that point of the record mm. i was like dudes you could have done this in four and a half minutes i mm. reckon mm. yeah and you know and it's not a case of being like oh uh, you just don't get the kind of the long song thing because I did because last week I wouldn't have taken I wouldn't have clipped one second off of that Godspeed song mm. that was twenty minutes long with yeah. the, the name that takes twenty minutes to say as well. <laughs> but um, but there are a lot of examples of times where I've gone. This, this does not need to be eight minutes, twelve minutes, whatever. It do, doesn't need to be that. And that's this, just this is I kind know, of what. Like, that's kind of what I mean by it being a wishy-washy record, though. You know, that, that like it, over the course of its hour-long duration, uh, mm. the times I've played it, I do keep finding myself getting sucked into it and then kind of being, you know, lackadaisical and kind of daydreaming a little bit and then getting sucked in again and then going mm. back. And then, you know, it, it doesn't ever keep me there the whole time. And the whole, yeah, uh, in order to achieve that, enormous crescendo thing yeah you do have to have a long 20 minute um or structure to do it or something along those lines but you also have to be capable of actually making it interesting for that long and that's that's the difficult part uh yeah, it's, like it's long songs that. long songs need to, that you kind of that you need to justify the fact yeah. that you're long yeah yeah and i, I think devil sold his soul have got long songs uh that are good but they've also had songs in the past where you know, I've sort of gone, I'm not sure you can justify this song being this long. Like, um, Between Two Worlds from A Fragile Hope is seven minutes and 49 seconds, I've just looked up. That song's fucking great. Right. Right, that song is fucking great. And that is, you know, deservedly seven minutes and 49 seconds long. Yeah. It's fucking great. And I'm not saying that, every song on this needs to be chopped down by half or a quarter or whatever. And it needs to look at that. But like, cause I think they can do it. I just don't think they always do it. Witness masks is actually the longest song on the record. And I would argue is probably the best song on the record as well. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's definitely one of the better moments on the record. Undoubtedly. Mm. I, I, I do still think it's too long. Uh, eight minutes probably could have been six and a half kind of thing. Um, but the good stuff on it is so great. I think, that's true. you know, yeah. 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 But I, knew, I mean, song. you mentioned Tateshi, which I think is amazing. Um, and yeah, you, I mean, actually we've got the same one signal fire as well. I think it's great. And I think the last song, I think the title track is, is fucking great. And that's seven and a half minutes long as well. That's the thing that there is plenty on here that is mm. really good. It's just surrounded by a lot of stuff on here, which is a little bit sleep inducing. Yeah. It's a mixed bag. I think it's a mixed bag. It's yeah. not, it's not the best devil sold his soul album. I don't think personally. So, uh, but it's, but you know, if you're a fan of the band, I think you'll enjoy it. And it's good that they're back. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens to them really. Um, they've certainly done, they've certainly done a lot more in the last nine years than the offspring have. Yes, they have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, let's move on to our last album of the week. I feel like we've been waiting for this one, mate. 
Arabrot, Norwegian Gothic, the 10th full-length album. I think it's 10. They have a very extensive back catalogue. Um, so don't nine. quote me on... Is it? Nine. Okay, right. Because yeah, oh, it's quite confusing to yeah, go through yeah. what was an LP. They've got like CD, LP, EP, like it all kinds of stuff confusing. written. That just yeah, says yeah, albums. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is uh, the, the new album from the <laughs> Norwegian... Uh, gothics who <laughs> like the album says who celebrate 20 years as a band this year it's a follow-up to a 2018 album presumably that's an album who do you love um i've never listened to arabrot before but i feel like they're a pretty cool name to check yeah you know, a kind so. of cool name to drop in front of people and i have to confess that you know i've seen the name of the band bandied around a lot over the years usually from a jonathan seltzer-esque person mm. of metal mm. hammer mm. who's a uh, probably the most um gothy like sort of person that i know i reckon <laughs> that sort of dark twisted stuff um i assumed that they were some sort of massive cult thing but actually no it appears that no one really seems to listen to them. i was really shocked we were having about this we have this conversation every week just so you want to if you want to know from behind the scenes where we go where should this go and where should this sit and we have a conversation about what we should put where and you know in the show and everything and they've got about 7,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, Arabrot, which is not a lot. To put that into context, the long-forgotten UK ska band Sponge of Kicking Pigeons fame have over 60,000 monthly oh listeners God. on Spotify. <laughs> so oh Arabrot are not a big band by any stretch of the imagination. They are a, they are a small band. But they, they are what I would lazily describe as a road burn band. Yeah. A band that... A lot of people are very passionate about, but it's a, a small number of a, a lot of people. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said, but a small number of people are very, very passionate about. I would say at Roadburn, they would probably commandeer a crowd of two thousand or so. I would guess, mm. but mm. that would be like the most. That would be the biggest gig they've ever played, kind of thing. And yeah. like without a shadow of a doubt. So I feel a bit better because uh, they may not be that big. Uh, but I feel like I've really missed a trick by not listening to this band before mm. because it's probably going to be quite obvious when I sort of explain what this is. It's an obvious bit of me. I really do love this record. It's, it's too long, Renfrey. Yes, it's too long. <laughs> Wasn't what I was going to say yet. Um, but yes, um, I saw Arabrot uh, supporting Envy, funnily enough, second mention for them. Uh, mm -hmm. last December no the December before oh god it's so long since I've been to a gig oh, no, um, and uh, yes I'd always heard lots about them but hadn't actually watched them or anything like that and I watched them and I was really confused I was very entertained for the entire time they were on but I felt like after their I think they played about 45 minutes after their 45 minute set I felt like I was no closer to knowing what Arabrot were than I had been 45 minutes previous. Um, I still sort of feel that way after listening to this album. Uh, that's not a bad thing necessarily, uh, although it does make it difficult uh, to <laughs> describe what this is. Um, I should say members... Goth as fuck, isn't it? That's it's goth it as fuck, yeah. Members, there's members of Turbo Negro, Motorcycle, Jagged Jazzist and Zoo also appear on this album, as well as acclaimed cellist and previous Riot Act guest Joe Quayle. Uh, on this album, I would say that this is 
gothic industrial post-punk is what yeah, I'm going good. with. I like, I like trains. all of those things. I like trains meet Susie and the Banshees. Uh, in truth, there's flipping loads going on here. And I will say the joins are totally seamless as well, which is always the mark of a very, very good band. It's by far the hardest album we've had to talk about this week. Uh, yes. It's also almost certainly the best. Um, mm. You said over the phone that it reminded you of that Grave Pleasures album from uh, a couple of years back that you fucking love. I do. I've got it right here on vinyl. It is called um, Mother Blood by That's Grave Pleasures. Which, I really, really love that record. What I, a great record. I totally get the uh, comparison. I think we're talking, I think they're in a different genre, but the whole sort of gothic vibes and the vocal delivery. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from with that. I think personally, just to be pedantic, because you know I enjoy that, Steve, I actually see more similarities mm. with Beast Milk. Uh, the band yeah, that, that yeah. Grave Pleasures the, were yeah. prior to, but you know, that is me being super pedantic. Um, where do we even start with a record like this? Um, uh, I don't know, really. Uh, <laughs> don't know where either. do we start with it? I mean, I guess I'm going to, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to say in general, this is going to be quite a, like, there's quite a lot going on in this record, but I'm still going to be fairly general about the record. I think, I don't know who the two vocalists are, but there are two voices uh, on this um, because band members, it appears to just be one person according to their, um, according, to, according, to, according to their, well, it's just got one NKN guitar vocals, 2001 onwards. That's it. And then it's just previous members and associated members on their Wikipedia page. Oh, well, that's because you're trusting Wikipedia, aren't you? Well, um, I'm not trusting it. I am actually questioning it and going, oh, there <laughs> appears to be. But there's definitely not just one person on this record. So I am definitely uh, I am definitely questioning it. No, but, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're a two-piece um, that yeah. uh, revolves around, oh, I will get the pronunciation of this wrong, but Kachil, oh God, uh, Nerns, I was hoping we wouldn't have to name them, and Karen Park. Yeah. Um Karen Park is particularly interesting, I think. Um, she's had an absolutely extraordinary career. The press notes said, after five albums, a few Grammys, writing a Eurovision entry for Norway and hits for other artists and performances with Lana Del Rey and David Bowie, Karen returned to the village of her youth and brought, bought the church where she first sang in front of an audience as a child. She turned the church into where Arab brought rehearse and record surrounded by pianos, organs and hundreds of old Bibles that the church left behind when the congregation stopped. The clerical environment has proved to be an excellent creative tapestry for a band whose lyrical focus orbits around sex, death and defiance. I agree. Uh, but yes, um, really fascinating pedigree there. Um, from mm. Karen Park in particular. Um, yes, there you go. That was me filling yeah. things Well, my, my, my point was the kind of dual male and female vocals of this record give you the broadest... I think if you put all three of the albums that we're doing together this week and took one dynamic, like I guess the offspring doing fucking... I don't have sex anymore with or to end with the 1940s holding absolute even those two dynamics and everything in between that all three of the other albums we've done this week um have managed i still don't think it would be as broad a uh, a church as the two just the two vocal approaches of the prominent voices on this record which are one 
very very dark sounding harsh intense male voice and one beautiful wistful soft warbling female one a quiet one and not even a loud one because you know the male vocals are not shouted they're not kind of grunted and it's not you know this isn't death metal but it's just sort of intense and it's kind of it's a a nick cave style of delivery yeah 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 and so what you get are the you know you you get a punk rock songs fast kind of you know cramps-esque punk rock songs you get very kind of like you say in floaty industrialized um beautiful sort of almost ghost teeny sounding songs mm-hmm. you get um like thumping bass driven post-punk staccato rockers and they're all over the place and then you get these little kind of weird interludes and samples of voices coming in and you get straight ahead like rock and roll bangers as well uh, it's a really really brilliant record that keeps you on your toes all the way through yeah to the point where i don't really know what my favorite ones are but i think if you want to hear a real quick snapshot of what's so great about this record the five minute hallucinal to the two minute mm-hmm. this is the night and the tonality of those two songs back to back i think is a pretty good seven minute summation of the record and what's great about it i've got a few songs that i can point out as highlights i totally understand what what you're saying in terms of the canvas is so broad it's very difficult to pick out highlights but i definitely have some highlights hallucinational you've just mentioned is just beautiful starts off sounding like bjork uh before going into this haunting gothic melancholy era smashing pumpkins vibe with a dreamy sense of serenity it's really quite beautiful the way that that builds over five minutes. I also agree. This is the night has an almost sort of frenetic Pixies esque vibe to it. One of the more kind of lunatic tracks from Surfer Rosa or Doolittle, Crack Crackety Jones or uh, Mr. Greaves or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the song that is, I, I put this on and because it's so kind of alien, I, I was really unsure of it for the first five tracks. And then Kinks of the Heart came in and it made me go, oh, that's what this record is. Uh, It sounds absolutely massive, like a raging, pulsing, lost Gothic Rammstein song. Uh, Mm. It's a lurching beast of a song. And probably, I think, the most immediate song on what is often a very strange and eclectic record, I would argue. It's funny you say that as well, because, I mean... I guess the difference between you and I and what we listen to or grew up listening to or what we're kind of more comfortable with is Carnival Love, the first song. I was just like, Oh, you're in straight away. Roll over and tickle my belly. Right. Because this is the shit. And I have to say, you know, like you're, you're right. I mean, Kinks of the Heart is amazing, but I was just, I had already, you know, you're already on board. I was, I was smoking a cigarette by this point, remember? <laughs> it's it certainly, over. I think it's fair to say, anyone who listens to us uh, long term, this is more of a Steve record than a Renfrey record. Although I really like this album. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Good, I, I, I think this is a great record. Um, Dirty Hands Reaches Up For Your Soul lyric on Hard Love is fucking great. Uh, reminds me of uh, 80s Matchbox Speedline Disaster a little bit, actually, which is uh, yep. never a bad thing. Um 
You sort of mentioned the spooky sounding interludes as the album progresses around the halfway mark. These, yeah, spooky sounding interludes come in uh, mm. and uh, uh, they're called The Voice Impact Heavily Onto The Concrete and You're Not That Special. You're Not That Special is such a, like ends the record. I mean, the nerve <laughs> of them to end the record on an interlude and yeah, it just is brilliant. It like, makes it makes really me want to cry, You're Not Special. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I, I feel really fucking miserable when uh, You're Not Special is on. Um, there's nothing... It, quote unquote incorrect about what's being said in in, in that interlude but it mm. does upset me somewhat um it, it, it's really cool those interludes starting from the halfway point of the record because it kind of feels like from that point the record is beginning to almost break down almost as if mm. it's like become haunted halfway through listening and it begins to get weirder it does from that plot point, twist I think. isn't it it's yeah, a plot yeah, twist. Yeah, it's a plot twist. Yeah, it's like and an it's a M. Cool Night Shaliman. Uh, <laughs> and it's that, a really—I don't, I, 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 I don't know how you pronounce it. I wasn't. And, and yeah, and it's a really, really cool. Yeah, like you say, twist. It just sort of makes I, nothing has ever been particularly settling on this record, but from the voice onwards, which I think is track eight onwards. Uh, out of 16 so it is the halfway point it really starts to unsettle you i think um it also has some of the best i mean hallucination uh hallucination hallucination uh is the next song after the voice which is you know just a beautiful moment as i've already said probably possibly my highlight that or kings of the heart um but yeah i really like the way that it suddenly becomes yeah haunted and uh more kind of difficult to listen to almost i will say um yes steve this album is too long uh it is 56 minutes and 51 seconds um i think to have made it like an almost perfect record i personally would have cut off the last two tracks although i totally understand why they have gone for what they've they've gone for the last the last two tracks as in not you're not that special as in you, you would get no as in as in the moon, dead is, dead. The moon is dead uh, no the moon mm. is dead and you're not that special i would have cut off okay uh because i think the album balances on a nice edge throughout the tension is really powerful a nice edge or a knife edge i said a knife knife's edge i think he said a nice edge no 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 on a nice no, not a nice edge, edge. Mm. Uh, the tension is palpable throughout, but the tension is kind of broken on that last song uh, or well, yeah. the, the penultimate track, I'd say, The Moon is Dead, where it, I feel like it kind of gets a little bit too lost in its own quirkiness at that stage. It's basically a seven minute gothic free jazz thing tone poem <laughs> um i i would argue and it kind that does begin to try my patience to be fair i think the band are trying to try my patience at that point in which case mission accomplished but i was also <laughs> i was also like but i don't i don't enjoy this um and listening to it again and again. i mean i've heard listened to this record a good sort of eight times because i this was one which i was like i'm really gonna have to listen to this a lot in order to get mm. into it and i was kind of hoping that the moon is dead would grow on me and i'd 
grow to kind of appreciate them needling me and i didn't um that might come later i don't know you're more sadistic than me generally so um do you agree i like i i like i mean i do think the album is a little bit long considering (laughs) how much but then so much fucking happens that i am a bit like i don't really know what i'd change and certainly like i think you could probably nick out maybe you know because like you say the voice is track eight Mm. so it's and at that point you know there's a fair bit going on but they do do it is a kind of straightforward post punky industrialized rocky set and then it changes and it really changes and i think by the time you get to the moon is dead it has morphed into something quite disturbing and i would not want to lose that and i certainly certainly would not want to lose that into you're not special i absolutely would not want to lose that at all so i completely disagree with that i have to be honest okay i think i think maybe if you wanted to cut the needling out uh i mean we mentioned deadlock i was wondering if that was one of the ones you wanted to get rid of you could get well, rid of that but i think that's kind of a good uh, i i, I th- i'm I th- all right with all of it really I, I think maybe you'd be taking the first half and cutting it down a little bit if anything i think deadlock is a uh perfect end it yeah. kind of it kind of annoys me that it continues after deadlock because it does it still builds to something with deadlock it's pretty noisy and industrial and not very nice sounding you know um but then and it certainly feels like it has built to that but then that kind of not nice feeling just continues on for another eight minutes and i i just don't need that personally i just don't need that kind of negativity in my life (laughs) pussy (laughs) um (laughs) uh yeah this is a good record though i mean yeah this is a very very good record and yeah. if you're going to listen to, if you every week you go, I'll listen to one of their records. I think without any question, any shadow of a doubt, for me, this is comfortably, comfortably the best record that we've uh, no about this week. There's no um, contest. There are comparative records that have come out this year to it. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, I think, is sort of comparable. I think um, Arab Strap is sort of comparable as well. I would say, as much as I love this record, and I think it really does lean in on the side of this music that I am a big fan of and I find very appealing, I still think it lags slightly behind those two records. I agree. That's what I would say. I agree. Just because of the length and the kind of oddness of it, although I do appreciate the oddness of it, but I do think, yeah, you could probably stick it behind those two records yeah i was gonna say i agree but those two records are fucking astonishing yeah, particularly yeah, yeah. i think particularly the arab strap record which oh. i still regularly listen to i think it's fucking brilliant mm-hmm. anyway there you go norwegian gothic by arabrot is out right now so next week we're going to be talking about london grammar and cannibal corpse and probably Welsh. <laughs> Because, you know, those guys, they requested that they were put together, actually. It wasn't <laughs> our doing. They were really keen to be reviewed at the same time. And uh, and While She Sleeps as well, amongst other things. You can go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and put Riot Act in small capitals in the checkout for 10% off all of their delicious beverages. And uh, you will be getting Gajira if you go to patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. Double Gajira. So Le Fon Sauvage and magma are going to be going up next week and uh you get a slint as well next week and <laughs> you can't pull that face we've 
we have to no, now, mate. I know. It's my fault. And uh, there'll be a new broken record. I don't know if we can say what the next broken record is going to be. I don't know if we're going to do that. I'm going to leave it to the show. Uh, well, it's already out there, isn't it? It's, it's Black kind Flag. of already out there. Yeah, it's Black yeah. Flag. Black Flag. So there's um, what, what the? the by what the by Black Flag is the broken record coming on uh, on Monday as well. So that's all happening. Thanks very much for listening. We're going to let you go now because you've been with us rather a long time, and uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>